0: Some of the best winemakers I know are almost Zen in that they spend so much time in the vineyards to get the grapes absolutely how they want them to be, and then they very carefully handle them coming through. That um, they almost you know then want them to express themselves. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's definitely, it's definitely art, it's definitely science, but it's also definitely art as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Today I'm talking to Christopher York, Managing Director of the Austrian Wine Marketing Board. Chris, it's so lovely to meet you here on Zoom.
0: Nice to meet you too, Petra, thank you.
1: So you are the Director of the Austrian uh, Wine Marketing Board.
0: That's right, so I joined in the beginning of uh, two, t- 2020 um, as the CEO of Austrian wine, um, and before that, I spent 15 years in New Zealand as the global marketing director for New Zealand wine. So I have a bit of a a view of the the Southern Hemisphere and also a view of the Northern Hemisphere, which is which is quite interesting.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. But what made what sparked the interest into the wine industry, or is it more into the marketing industry?
0: Yeah, I, I've always um, been in international marketing. So I've worked in Europe um, for various uh, international companies. Um, and then I moved to New Zealand and I saw a, a little advert for um, a global, to, global marketing director for New Zealand wine, which wasn't exporting very much at the time. And I, I was always interested in wine. I grew up in Switzerland near in a wine region. and um also lived in in different places but um so i saw this and i i said i'm a, i'm a very i'm an enthusiastic consumer uh, but i'm not a wine specialist uh but i managed to get the job uh, against 100 other people and um i've learned quite a lot along the way um and uh, certainly well i certainly wouldn't call myself a wine expert um but i do understand how to promote a country's wine around the world
1: and it's also maybe because you're not the expert that you know i mean most wine drinkers are not experts in wine so no, maybe exactly. you understand. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's very true <laughs> well i something uh, obviously i obviously have lots of friends who um, are incredibly knowledgeable but a, a very good friend of mine master of wine he said you know there's there's no right or wrong answer with wine if somebody likes a wine it's a good wine so, yeah, you
1: know. yeah 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 no, that's true and i also talked to somebody who who talks about the uh the actually the whole i wouldn't say it's psychology but but it's more of the the way we drink wine it's it's uh also associated with the food we eat and the company we are with so we mm-hmm. we attach many things to wine it's not just about the wine in the bottle it's about the the whole experience of drinking the wine.
0: No, I think it's very true and I I do talk to this about with our tourism uh, organizations when I was in New Zealand and also here in Austria which is that um at, at point of consumption you have a, bo- a bottle on a table normally with a group of friends or, or on yourself and there's a um if it's an austrian wine it's a it's a, it's a premium product uh, there's a from a specific place and uh, there's normally a little story about <clears throat> the producers and that's what makes wine very interesting. It's um, uh, it's something that people who, it's very hard to get into wine and it's even harder to get out of wine uh, because the people are incredibly interesting. Uh, you have basically farmers who can talk to you about the, uh, which hotel, which restaurants in Copenhagen and New York you want to be listed in. Um, and uh, so you have this sort of breadth of experience. Um and also people are genuinely interested in um you know, in also discovering other wines and you do that in the evening. So it's you know, it's, I always facetiously say, you know, life could be a lot worse if we could be selling cat food.
1: Yeah. <laughs> now Austria has got a very rich and long history in wine I mean I didn't realize this but it's it's quite a it's quite a history that they have so compared to New Zealand which um which uh, what is the what is the difference for you in in um in the because Austria is like an old wine country
0: yeah, in Austria. It's interesting. So Austria has, like many European countries, you know, a thousand years of of wine history, um, and that's that's uh, and you know the modern wine industry in New Zealand is probably forty or fifty years old. Um, but also, what Austria has is a real dynamism uh, amongst its younger winemakers and a real focus on quality. Uh, we'll focus on um, sort of uh, ecologically sound production. Um, so you sort of have the dynamism of the new world, but in the old world in Austria, and that, that makes it a very exciting place to be. Mm.
1: But now how in, in such an old world con- uh, wine country, where there must be a lot of tradition, like uh, farms that that existed for or, or changed hands for, a few generations how do they adapt to say a new way of farming or a new way of especially now with uh organic farming for instance
0: yeah so i think so in terms of organic farming we we probably have one of the highest organic uh farming wine wine farming rates in the world uh about 16 percent um and the highest biodynamic um rates within that um mm-hmm. And I think part of that's explained by, well, by dynamics because uh, Rudolf Steiner was Austrian, um, but also because you have these uh, passing on within the family then obviously you want to do the right thing for uh, your vineyards and stuff and therefore um, you know a lot of people argue that, that organic is the, is the way to go for that. Um, so that's on the one hand but then there's also um which i've learned is because and this is probably the difference the new world uh, because um you're used to passing on from the parents generation to the younger generation the parents generation were young once before so and what's what's important and what we've learned i think is to let the the younger generation to um try out their new philosophy how they want to approach it um but with a sort of guiding eye you know as as a parent so um just as we all know is quite a a tricky balance um but they sort of let the younger ones go off and be quite innovative uh under under maybe a separate label and then what you then see is a slowly it sort of leeches into the mainstream and, and through that you're actually getting um very interesting styles of wine making um and, and a lot of a lot of change and i think the other thing is also which is almost unique is um you have these wine schools uh, where the kids students go at about age 14, 15, quite often in boarding school, um, where oh, yeah. they yeah so they can focus on viticulture um, you know, at school um, for five years and then they create these incredibly close bonds with uh, also other wine uh, students from from the country uh, and they're very much challenging each other to be quite creative and um, and then but then they continue to help each other you know because they, they they know each other so well so so we've got, you know, there's amazing wine schools across the Neuborg and then um uh Silverberg um in Syria. Um so I think I think it's a mix of all those things um that makes it quite a quite an exciting place to be.
1: Well, wow, that's very young fourteen, I think too. Yeah. 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 And, and- yeah, and and the interest is there that they go in, yeah. at that age.
0: Mm-hmm. Particularly, but we have you know we have maybe seven thousand wineries, so you know a lot of them are small, but but certainly mm-hmm. there's a there's definitely so so wine education is a real is is at a very high level here. I, I'm all, I'm the CEO of Austrian wine, but I'm also the um, the chair of mm-hmm. the Austrian Wine Academy, which is based in Rust in Burgenland. And um, which is a, a very good you know advanced level, as more as sort of bachelor and, and uh, master level. Um, and people from all around the world come and do their wine education there. So there's a real so I think that's probably that's part that's, that's a, a thing that we have in Austria, which is is pretty much unique in terms of uh, such a commitment to education.
1: But now um in, in this sense also I've talked to winemakers and ask about the the um you know the the fact that that it's a science, it's a specific science. I mean there are certain things that are it's just as it is, but there's also this creative side, this artist, you know, the, the art of making wine.
0: Yes.
1: So um what is your your feeling about that?
0: No, absolutely. I mean I think you can read um you can read all the books and and i think you have to um because there's a lot of things you can get wrong first of all but then it's um there's a real philosophy i think around what type of wine do i want what style do i want to make um which which drives when you pick your grapes how you handle your grapes um uh, whether you put them into tank or you go into into barrel if it goes into barrel if there's new oak or older oak um size of barrels um how you ferment so there's there's lots of sort of decisions i think you make on the way once, once you sort of understand the basics of winemaking i think there's a lot of decisions you make all along the way that, that affect the, the wine at the end and, and i think um and I think the real uh, some of the best winemakers I know are almost Zen in that they spend so much time in the vineyards to get the grapes absolutely how they want them to be, and then they very carefully handle them coming through. That um, they almost you know then want them to express themselves. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's a very uh, it's definitely, it's definitely art. It's definitely science, but it's also definitely art as well. Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, talking about this, also the young winemakers coming into the industry, um, and and uh, is, is there a lot of experimenting? Um, because now, also with the fact that the climate is changing, is the is the way of winemaking also now changing?
0: Yeah, I think there's a I think there is there is changes due to the weather and due to the climates, that's for sure, and and when you pick, and maybe sites that you thought were too cool are now actually nice, um, and also how you then handle the leaves, etc., in terms of protecting the grapes. And uh, I think that's one side. But then there's also the stylistic uh particularly the natural wine movements, raw wines, orange wines, skin contact. So there's a whole load of um experimentation happening really going back to the roots in terms of how wine was made a thousand years ago. Um and Austrian winemakers are very much our young winemakers are very much in that scene as well. So we're and, and I, I think we're made we're perceived as being some of the, the best made wines in this sector. And that's sort of I think underpinned by um you know having gone through the schools, having parents looking in and saying, well you can try that you know the, here's the dangers um and um so therefore you've got there's a real interesting mix between the two whereas in in a number of other countries it's more garages to uh, purely do, doing it like that whereas a lot of our wines are actually wine makes within a family enterprise where they're also doing more maybe conventional methods as well and and both are into uh interplaying uh with each other so so i think that's probably the difference but yeah so so the thing there's there's a number of reasons for um innovation certainly
1: but now the farms the the wine farms themselves are they um they they can't be that big i mean in a uh how many uh if you said so many wine farms and i mean austria is not the biggest country so
0: no so <laughs> no, it's a, no so the so are tradition like it yeah.
1: more like boutique wineries
0: yeah a lot of very family run i mean you've got everything um starting from which was the traditional way of um you know a farmer would have grapes but also maybe pigs and maybe also vegetables so they would you know, different times, apples, um, so fruit. <clears throat> and they would sort of make enough uh, for themselves and also to sell some, but also balance their risk a bit. So that's, I would say, the starting point. And then the ending point is, <clears throat> you know, the top 500 wine, 600 wineries that are maybe exporting internationally around the world. And then you've got sort of everything in between. Um, and we've got, we do have a lot of small wineries and they, and they are more uh, focused on, we have a whole culture of um or Bushench, which is a um, basically a old wine tavern where you can buy um, food uh, and the wine from the winery. and that's also um, so some are just focused on that and therefore and they're therefore very reliant on wine tourism, which is something we focus on a lot as well.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, this time of year is this uh, wine route that you can walk to, between the vineyards and and tasting the wine as well, which, which is mm-hmm. lovely. That's
0: here. right. Yeah. Good fun. Yeah.
1: But now, um, because this is such an old uh, wine country, um, there must be also um, a lot of old vines.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, a lot of Europe was obviously had problems um, and they had to pull out their vines. um, But, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, we have, you know, vines up to 70, 80 years old. Generally, vine is actually similar to a human being, sort of in terms of how long it lasts for um, and the different stages it goes at. Um, But, yeah, and then actually what people are finding is some of the older uh, vineyards are... um, also more resistant to drought because you know the great uh, the vine uh, the roots are deeper so absolutely so there's there's older ones um and also and also younger ones and um yeah
1: but now this is um interesting uh, that the the researcher that I talked about the viticulturist he said that um, these, like you say, the old vines are more resistant to drought and that it's just maybe something to look into that to, to preserving these old uh, vineyards, um, mm-hmm. even though they don't have enough fruit as as the younger ones, but that that it's a, a way of, of then looking in the future of um, sustainable farming.
0: No, I think I think like anything, you need a balance. So uh, it's a little bit like a, a human population. You need the wise old heads, um, <laughs> you know, that you can learn from, and you need the young thrusters uh, who are going to then, you know, and you can say that the same. You know, a teenage vine is a bit like a teenage uh, son or daughter. It's um, a little bit all over the place, but you know, it'll come right in the end. <laughs> um, so, you know, so you need, like in any population, you know, you need your yeah. teenagers, you need your 40-year-olds, you need your 60-year-olds, um, and, uh, you yeah,
1: know, et the, the balance.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. But do you see that it, it becomes a sort of a um, a niche to have the old vines the, the and, and, and the old wines from the old uh, wine vineyards?
0: Yeah, it depends what style of wines you're looking to produce as well and what region you're in. So I don't think there's a sort of one one size fits all for every wine country or wine region even. Uh, but I definitely think there is a place for it in certain climates and certain countries and certain um, types of wine as well. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But now, um, what? How do you see the future now for for the Austrian um, wine industry?
0: Well, I think it's a really interesting time. Um, we are um, different to most wine countries, and the majority of our production is white wine. So we sp- we produce about two thirds white wine, one third red wine, and also some fantastic um, dessert wines and sparkling wines. Um, but yeah, they're approximately that one third, two thirds, two thirds, uh, two thirds uh, white, one third red. Um, and that's that is actually a good place to be, I think, uh, in the market because we specialize in it. we celebrate white wines, we make white wines very at a, at a very high quality, which means, and that's been interesting for me to discover, is the um, uh, uh you know, the. The ageworthiness of our white wines, so the ageability of our white wines. So having a ten or a fifteen year old Gruner and um, mm-hmm. is is a fantastic thing that you don't get to see try very often. We also celebrate our uh, white wines, so you see a lot of big format bottles, you know, of white wine, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's quite special. So I think we will always. Uh, And we 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 do produce very very high quality wines I think at a at a fair price as well. Um, And then our red wines are uh, are coming through as well. We've got sort of and 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 the the exciting thing is 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 also the indigenous grape varieties that we grow in Austria. Um, Many aren't pronounceable at first. Grasp to, to people who don't speak German. Um, yeah. But there's a story there. Uh, and and there's a lot of interest in that nowadays in terms of uh, in markets. So I think that's, uh, that's also interesting. We have a very strong commitment from our winemakers to um, organic, sustainable, uh, biodynamic production. As I said, we have one of the highest organic rates, we definitely have the highest uh, biodynamic rates, and we have one of the top um the sustainability programs that there has been you know um, analyzed by the Nordic monopolies. So I think um, and there's a continued development and there's and that's something I I recognize from New Zealand as well New Zealand, New Zealand and Austria are similar in that way. there's there's a constant not sort of sitting on your laurels but always wanting to push yourself to to further improve. so that's that's always exciting.
1: Mm-hmm. And do you have to adapt for the for the export market um, uh, you know the wines or, or is it is it very characteristic from Austrian wines that you keep that that character?
0: No, I think the uh, the style of our wines is actually very good for the international markets um, So fruit driven, maybe a, a little bit of support of oak but not predominant. Um, well made, food friendly um, wines and also, you know, made in a uh, sort of friendly to the ecology, ecologically friendly way. So, so I think um, that's certainly an opportunity that we do, that we do have. Mm
1: -hmm. So now what is, this might be a difficult uh, question to, to answer, but what is uh, your favourite, what, what do you drink?
0: Well, uh, you know, and we don't have favorite children, do we? So, um, <laughs> uh, but I do, uh, I must say, just depending at the time. Uh, so, I drink all, all types of wines. I will always have a Riesling or a Green Levetlina in my fridge to come when uh, I come back from home and have a, um, uh, a glass, a refreshing glass of wine um i actually it's interesting my my palate has definitely changed uh, when i was in new zealand i was probably drinking two-thirds red wine mm-hmm. and one-third white wine uh and here i definitely drink at least two-thirds if not more white wines because the white wines here are super interesting um and uh you know there's the vina gemisch Satz, which you can't really get outside of vienna but um which is a field blend all harvested on the same day. So you have all sorts of interesting uh, flavours in the wines. Um, So, yeah, so they're very, there's very interesting white wines that I like to drink. And then also, obviously, with a steak, have a Zweigelt or a or even some of the other indigenous varieties. So, yeah, it's sort of a bit of spoilt for choice. Uh, The the, the really interesting thing also is, is that Vienna, which is this beautiful city, um which a lot of people heard of but not as many people have visited um and then within an hour's drive you've got pretty much the whole wine industry and then two hours to stereo um and you've got such an, a, a, a very an array of very different wine regions wine styles as i said everything from sec to white wines to red wines to dessert wines uh, all close so it's, it's quite uh, from a wine tourism perspective and um, if you compare that to you know many other most other countries where you're having to actually go quite long distances yeah um, it's uh that's quite exciting as well so yeah
1: well i find it interesting that really with a you know but with a tram you can go to um, somewhere and, and just pop off and go through a vineyard. This is uh, yeah. amazing that you find in, in Vienna.
0: Well, Vienna does have more hectares of uh, vines and more wineries than any other capital city in the world uh, and and you're right. I, 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 you know, I always I love to sort of just pop people on a tram and then on a bus and you're at the top of the hill and we just walk down into a vineyard and sit down and have a glass of wine and uh, look at the look at the city um yeah. it's quite a special place
1: yeah no that's true but um thank you so much chris this was uh, very insightful and um very interesting what you had to say and um i uh just one last question uh, what what is your wishes for the future
0: my wish for the future well uh, you know global peace would be a good start um i think uh, it's, it's a very uh, unsettling time at the moment um in terms of what's having hopefully finally come out of the pandemic and then uh, into the situation we're in we're, we're very close to it obviously i have friends in new zealand who uh, you know, all very happy with the fact that they're, you know, however many, 20,000 kilometers away. And, um, you know, we're a six hour drive to the uh, Ukrainian border. So, um, you know, in our, yeah. uh, our neighborhoods, we have many, many Ukrainian families, and it's incredibly tough for them. And um, so I, I have less um, when people start complaining about the price of energy. I said, well, the reason for the price of energy is because these mm. poor people have. Uh, had to leave their country and you know uh-huh. so we're gonna just have to put up with that sort of stuff i think um but yeah but but i think um i think the positive side of it is that uh a lot of changes have ha- happened that normally take many many years and 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 so i you know my my view is in five years time i think actually uh we might be in a in a very good place where we're all using energy much more carefully we've changed over to green technologies and stuff so
1: yeah, well, after the pandemic as well, I mean, this uh, very um, tragic things happened, but there's also many positive things that came out and, and changes that came out. So I think you're right, you know, in five years time, it, the world will look a bit different
0: yeah and i mean here's a good example if we're both in the same city we might either, either of us might have you know traveled 45 minutes and then met up and then traveled 45 minutes back and used about three hours and now we've uh, had a great conversation in 40 minutes yeah. and bang we're on so we can also effectively use our time so, exactly. so i think we've, we've all learned new new things yeah. which is yeah. positive.
1: and now all this can go out in the world very good (laughs) well Chris it was really lovely to talk to you and uh, I hope we can have a glass of wine uh, one day in person
0: (laughs) that sounds like a great idea (laughs) yeah
1: (laughs) okay have a lovely afternoon and thank you so much for your time
0: okay thanks a lot
1: thank you bye
0: bye